Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Chip Frederick, will talk Vanderbilt baseball after the Commodores win their 12th game in a row by beating Western Kentucky on Tuesday. Chip appears on the guest line that's presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our episode with Chip Frederick. Chip Frederick joins us. Chip, a former Commodore pitcher. We're going to talk some baseball. We're doing this on Wednesday after Vanderbilt has played its midweek game with Western Kentucky, which it won 8 to nothing. almost had a shutout there for a while. Vandy has now won 12 games in a row. That's the longest winning streak in the country, believe it or not. And Chip's here to talk about it. Chip, a lot of stuff going on with Vandy baseball. Tomorrow, as we do this on Wednesday, Vanderbilt will be starting a series with Missouri that will have a lot of title implications. That will be interesting to watch. Uh, Commodore's playing really well. I wrote about it. Uh, some pretty staggering stats that I shared with you. You are a subscriber to our website. Um, and I would encourage people to, to go there. I don't put everything on the podcast. There are a lot of things behind a paywall. Uh, it now costs you as much to subscribe to my site every month as it does to get a fast food meal. And now that I've filibustered and given blatant <laughs> Shameless advertising for other products. I welcome to the show, Chip Frederick. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Uh, yeah, it's it, people need to subscribe. There's a lot of great information. Your three, two, one column is great, and I was just referencing that before we came on here. And and there's just lots of info, and it's um, great to keep. Uh, this is kind of your source for Vanderbilt Athletics. If you're Vanderbilt fan, you're not subscribing. You need to do so. So, um, yeah, the train just keeps moving along, and and boy, the just the demeanor, you know, the press conferences are better. I'm sure you, <laughs> when you're winning and you've won this many games in a row and there's a lot of laughter and guys walking around on the field after the game, joking around. And I'm sure, of course, I mean, that's what winning does. And the opposite happens um, when, when you go into a bad tailspin, like uh, these opponents that Vanderbilt has been drubbing the last three weekends in the conference, Georgia, Mississippi state and Ole Miss. I'm sure that, Things are just the opposite there. And it's, uh, you know, I, I will say the schedule has, it, 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 without a doubt, and you and I have attacked this in years past as far as how the schedule lays out, it has definitely been in, in Vanderbilt's favor how the order of the teams and where they've come. And, and, and uh, you know, this weekend you've got a team with Missouri who, you know, they sweep Tennessee and shocked the world several weeks ago, and now they haven't won a conference game since. Um, and so you you think on paper that things are lining up that that Vanderbilt could continue this this uh, steam train uh, rolling down the road and, and collecting victories. But a lot of good things going on. Very consistent. I think the word consistent was used, you know, 10, 12 times in the postgame conference. theme uh not a lot of flash but a lot of consistency a lot of of maturity of these these younger players and things are just lining up and and it's a good time to be a Vanderbilt fan I don't think I, I think I'll tell you 
I'm not trying to throw water on the fire here. What probably what Coach Corbin wouldn't tell anyone at a press conference because or you know after field or in person even, you know th- this team's not going undefeated in the league, and there's going to be some adversity, and they know that, and the staff knows that. Every every team goes through that, but if they keep this. Um, keep it going in the way they're playing the, and the consistency that that word was used so many times, they're definitely setting themselves up for a national seed and, and a host of course would happen automatically with that. But uh, the good things are happening right now. They just got to keep going with it. And, and um, the same formula with the hitting. And, and I think uh, their success will continue at least for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. First of all, in the, of a seeding discussion, literally everything I look at, screams they are a top eight national seed rpi if you put stock in predictive computers i know that's a bad word with the the basketball crowd but i I do put stock into that uh vanderbilt between one and four and every predictive computer that i've looked at that i trust um you know the the pitching is ridiculously good i'll get into that in just a minute because I, i think that vanderbilt you could maybe argue right now has for the top five or six pitchers in the league based on effectiveness. Uh, and then we got some other guys to talk about that, that I've almost forgotten about that I wanted to get into. But I keep going back to his demeanor preseason. I remember last year he used the word uncertainty a lot around his pitching and, and maybe around his team. And I, and I thought that was an interesting choice of words, maybe turned out to be a little more prophetic than the fans would have hoped. And I just go back to watching him, being around him, talking to him before this year, and his choices of words, his body language, everything suggested he was really, really confident about this team. Now, look, I don't think that you can always know that in in February. I don't think that just because you go to class and everything means you're going to be a great baseball team. But he puts a lot of stock in those things, and, and boy, it has really turned out to be so far consistent with the way that I felt he felt like about his team and then maybe some. Yeah. And and as much as we follow this program and have over the last, however many years, I mean, ever since I was a player on my end, you, you know, when they won it in 2019, and what I'm getting to is you you notice the little things and and you, you take, if you follow it closely, you look for reaching words. He's going to say, if you notice, I'm not sure who the person was in the in the post game last night. Kept trying to bait him about comparison of this team's pitching staff to last year, and the guy kept asking, "What's the difference? Why what why the success now compared to what was you were going through last year?" And he wasn't having any part of it. I don't know if you watched it. I'm sure you did. He he's not. Going I to actually have that. not seen it yet. I wasn't. Yeah, I was, it, my uh, my daughter had a lacrosse game, so I couldn't make yeah. it. And Joey was there, but anyway. No, it's just. I mean, some guy was baiting him, trying to just say, you know, why is it different? Why is it different from this year to last? Why is the pitching different? What you know, trying to pinpoint him, and he just wasn't going there. But what you did get though, is the intangibles that he talks about that is important of. They enjoy being with one another. They they they're doing well in class. They're a fun group to be around. They're consistent. They're consistent on the on the field and off the hill field with their behavior. My point in 2019, when they won the national championship that year, we heard a lot of those same things from him, but we didn't hear it 
as close as you and I, and maybe you did, but I know I didn't. You didn't hear that until they came home from Omaha. The bus pulls up. They go into the football practice facility, the indoor practice facility where everybody's waiting, and he gave his speech about the team, and that's the first time I heard about that. That's the first time that I ever heard him say, you know, Maggie and I, when we looked at the grades at mid-year, we knew this was going to be a, a great team, you know, a, a team that was going to make do some damage. They behaved well. They got along together. So he's echoing in April, the first week in April, what he said about the team that won the national title in 2019. And we all know a lot has to happen to win a national championship. I'm not saying this team is going to be win a national championship. Um, and I don't think he is either, but I think the intangibles and those little things, he just really likes his team. You can tell. And, and I'm not saying that last year there was, he's never going to call anybody out, but just kids are different. There's personalities that happen. There's kids that come and go. You might've had a cancer or two uh, that are playing at other teams in the sec, currently that were on this team and possibly that was affecting the locker room, the locker room. If you're it, these guys, as much as some people might say, well, why aren't we doing this hitting approach or why do we do this? And these guys know how to control the locker room. You can't maybe not control, but read a locker room and, and adjust accordingly. And I think they've done that with this team. And that's the one thing that stuck out, stuck out um, to me about some of the words that he's been saying lately is how he's saying it early about this group. And if he's saying it early, I think it's making a profound difference on how this team performs on the field, not all, not as well, as well off the field, but how they're performing and getting the wins that they've gotten and being in the position undefeated in the conference play after three weeks. Yeah. And let me be clear. There's a lot that could go wrong from here. You, you get a couple of starting pitchers hurt. Um, Oh, yeah. You hit a tough stretch where you lose five or six one-word games in a row, although they're putting so much distance between themselves and opponents that these games aren't close. There's there's like a lot of stuff that could go poorly for them still. But we can only go by what we've seen. And in my mind, there is no question they're a national caliber title team. Now, you, you could say that about some other teams. You can say that about... LSU, um, although I think Vanderbilt's pitching situation, and particularly after Skeens, is a lot better than LSU's. I think you could say that about Wake Forest, which could debatably be the best team in the country. I mean, there's there's some other teams in the conversation, but my point is, just comparing it to what it takes most years, this is one that I look at. I, I don't really have any reservations about them being that good of a team. Now, again, that could change. They can go into hitting slump a, a lot. But based on what I've seen, and I've seen every one of his teams but the first one now, it, it's in that category of team. Oh, yeah. And and I think we're going to find out real quick uh, after this weekend, hopefully a successful weekend. But as looking at the records of the opponents that Vanderbilt has played the first three weekends, you got Missouri mixed in, too, again, who, as I said, after they won their first three, if not one since in the league, and they got swept by Kentucky on the road last weekend. Then you, you follow that up with a murderer's row of South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, back-to-back, and um, in those three weeks. So you'll find out real quick. And, you know, we're going to find a whole lot about South Carolina this weekend. I think they go to Baton Rouge. Am I correct? Um, that's They that's host. Be, they host They LSU. host. Okay, well, still, LSU will, will – um, That'll be a tremendous test for them. So it, um, 
it remains to be seen, but they're doing a lot of stuff right. And when you do a lot of stuff right and you get that, those victories roll, then, then you, the confidence can go a long way, especially in this league. And, and, um, we'll, we'll just have to see how it comes out this weekend. The Thursday night game again, they, it seems like we play a lot more Thursday night games than anybody in the world, but I, I guess think it, they play four. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it, it, there's multiple games now. It used to be just one series was on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I, I just like the way the lineup is, Chris. I like the way that that if you look one through nine, and they figured this out a couple weeks ago, the way it's structured with when you got Davis Diaz hitting as well as he has, which protects Shrek, if Bradfield's now getting on base, you can't pitch, you know, you don't want Bradfield on base to begin with because you know he's going to be on second most of the time if he gets on first. That two-hole spot with Diaz, has re- with the tear that he's been on, then it protects Shrek. A lot of people don't look at that inside of how a lineup is structured. Uh, the way that they have done this up and down the lineup, one through nine, is is just pretty amazing to me, uh, the, the success they've had. And when you get a guy like Bastine, Who's you know he gets, you know gets scores two runs last night, but a guy with his pop that's batting where he is in the bottom of the order, it just protects everybody, and it's a good lefty righty scenario. Uh, I just everything's going well as far as that's concerned, and and when that does, they're going to continue to win a lot more games than they're than they've been right. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. I want to get to the pitching in a minute, but you mentioned RJ Shrek, and I just I watch him play. He just got a, a loose demeanor. Um, he seems like a mature kid. He's made a lot more plays in the field than I thought. I was told coming into the season, hey, we really don't have a right fielder. Uh, he is he's been that and then some. I mean, I, I think they knew he would hit probably, or, uh, you know, if you look at his career numbers, you would think he would, and he has, but he's been pretty good in the field too. Made made a couple plays within the last week. But I think that he really, Chip, adds a lot to them in terms of, I don't know, just a personality maybe that was missing. And, and this is just me just watching from the press box. I could be totally wrong, but – it just feels like he's got that veteran maturity and the, I don't know, just letting stuff roll off his shoulders and a sense of humor and stuff. Like you're seeing them have fun again. I wondered the last couple of years how much fun they were having at times. And they were, they used to be the team that, you know, before Tennessee, everybody would 
point a finger at, and oh my goodness, the, you know, the, the calisthenics in the outfield, it was like they had, um, you know, insulted the Pope or something, just out there <laughs> having fun and doing the things that they've done. And, and you know, the Tennessee then kind of takes over and, and says, hold my beer the last two years with the fur coats and everything, and they kind of went on the back burner, and they, they were kind of subdued. But it feels like this year, some of the plate stomping and the stuff that was just kind of harmless fun, and, and maybe you can take it too far, is back. And it just feels like this is a bunch. You mentioned chemistry earlier. It, it feels like there's a lot more chemistry with this bunch, and I just get the feeling Shrek's had something to do with that. Well, he's got – I mean, Corbin talks about this. There's, there's nothing – you cannot replace – the experience of having in college baseball at a high level, you know, five, 600 at bats of live pitching in now, of course he hasn't been in the sec um, for that long. He played at a high level at Duke and played in the regional here when he was younger, but that experience of seeing different times of pitching um, different from the left side, the right side, different philosophies, high pressure situations. You can't, you can't put a price on that. And that's what he's done. He's he's just a mature guy. But I'll tell you this much, and Corbin's response about Maldonado, who's leading the team in hitting as a freshman, that guy carries himself like he's a third-year player. And and I think that was even mentioned. I, I thought that, and I was saying that, just his approach, the way he carries himself on the field, his demeanor, he, he just seems like he, nothing phases him. And a lot of these kids are the same way. I mean, you've seen... Polk and Diaz and Austin, all three of those guys, when they're up at the plate and they get big hits, they they seem to be enjoying themselves and 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 punctuated by uh, getting the crowd into it and their bench. I agree with what you're saying. I think there is a little more uh, enthusiasm there. But but as far as again, Shrek Shrek's been around and has seen and been in high pressure situations, and I think that is just calmly and then you couple that with having a, a battery made to his right in Bradfield patrol in center field with the number of games he's played as a junior that's just something that you can't put a price on and I think the com- combination of the youth and you know you got Parker Nolan a vet over there at, and and how he's been playing and Bolger's been around the block it, it, that combination of youth and confident young players who don't get phased is undeniably a positive in in the landscape of college baseball in today's game, and that's what they have. Well, and it probably hasn't hurt Chris Maldonado that he's got a brother who's been there four years and and knows the drill and the mood swings and all that stuff too. Oh yeah, I mean that it, it was great hearing the story about how you know he's got three brothers and sisters combination who all played college sports, and so when you've been around that, you see what it's like. You see what. Um, what good is, you know what good is, you know what bad is uh, as far as the competition and talent level and everything just kind of comes easy. You know, some the youngest child sort of, um, you know, I was joking with a guy last night at a baseball game, the youngest kid always gets the used stuff from all the other kids, you know, and 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 that's, a net, you know, he gets the, the big brother's bat that's worn out that he used three years before him. Well, at the that's a negative. If you're that kid, the positive of that is, is that you experience and you be in those environments, watching them play and you learn 
by almost osmosis that it just goes into you and flows over you and you learn how to have the slow heartbeat and you don't get phased in those pressure situations. So, I mean, good for him. I didn't realize, you know, looking at the stat sheet that he had, Maldonado leads the team and in, in the batting average category. And he's just, he's, he's performed well beyond the expectations. I think if you would have told me that he'd be in that position, I knew, I knew the kid was good uh, when we got him coming over from after committing from Clemson. But I think uh, he's, he's definitely fit the bill and, and, and discipline. You hear all the, the things that Corbin talks about him. Uh, he did the, the praise just continues about this kid. All right, let's get into conversation about pitching. And I'm going to pull some stuff up here. I've got reams of, of stats, and I'm going to try not to make people's ears hurt when I read some of this. But <laughs> I'll, I'll translate some of it into English. I'm looking right now, and if you were to eliminate Paul Skeens from this league, and Paul Skeens is like the pitcher of the year, you know, and then and then ten lines of a blank text, uh, and and then whoever's the runner up right now, he's just ridiculously far ahead. Not just in the numbers you see, but like some of the other metrics. If you want to dive a little bit deeper, by those same ones, um, I, I just look at this pitching staff and say they they've got so many arms. I mean, I I almost forget that Patrick Riley's on the staff, uh, and he's been throwing okay. Um, I, th- I think threw okay yesterday. I didn't get to see all the game. Um, my nine-year-old son has become a big baseball fan, um, which gets in the way of homework and other things. And so I, I get punished by that sometimes. I have to I have to turn off the TV at points or else he's going to be there watching it with me. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I look at what they've got. I mean, you, you could literally argue right now that if you take – if if you take Skeens out of it, they may have the three best starting pitchers in the league in, in terms of what they've done so far. Yeah, I, I think so. And the and the, as you, the things you highlighted in your column are just unfathomable as far as the the statistics of how they're not you know they're not runners they're not giving free passes they're not the the walks are are way down. I think you said the free pass walk rate, uh, the pass rate was walks first hits Batman is 7.6%. Um, just those little things where they're not getting in dangerous situations where getting leadoff runners on stolen base, bun over where they're runners at second and third with less than two outs, all those little things right there. Um, and you're going to have to, you know, the strikeout minus free pass rate. I mean, you're getting way technical in your column, Chris, which it's great reading. But for me, it even it makes my head explode. I know they're all good stuff because you wouldn't put them in there. Um, but that's, but having it being double the league average, the strikeout minus free pass rate of 15.2, I mean, that's the league average is half that. Um, there's just really some gaudy stuff that you can yeah. dig into. Well, and, and let me explain that. That's kind of a new thing in baseball. It's, it's strikeout rate minus walk rate at the big league level. I put hit batsman in there. At the big league level, that's not a big deal because there aren't a lot of guys hit. At the college level, there's a ton of guys hit, so I, I do throw that in there. And basically, it, it's a lot of things are out of a pitcher's control, right? Like if you're getting just hammered and, and, and leaving the ball up, that's going to show in some of the stats. But a lot of times, it's – the things you control are how many you walk and how many you strike out, and that's a really good 
kind of leading indicator for who the best pitchers are. And, and like if you did that, major, if you said who were the you know, 10 or 15 best pitchers in Major League Baseball, then you ran that metric. A, a lot of the names on both lists would be the same. But I'm looking like right now Kentucky leads the league in ERA. Its strikeout minus free pass rate is 4.6%. That Leading the league in ERA in, in league play. Vanderbilt's is 15.2, which tells me there's a little bit of noise in Kentucky's number. I'll do it. I do think Kentucky's a pretty good team. Don't get me wrong. But I just I start comparing Vanderbilt to other teams in the league. I'm just going to read some stuff. And again, I, I try not to make everybody's ears hurt, but this is pretty simple. This is runners allowed in league play per inning. And people might say, well, Vanderbilt's played Georgia, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, three of the worst teams in the league. And that would be true. But those three teams, their issues are more on the pitching side than the hitting side. Okay, the, the average number of runners, this is just SEC games only, that teams are giving up per inning pitch, 1.76. I'm going to start from the bottom and work down. Mississippi State, 2.48. Auburn, 2.25. Georgia, 2.20. Texas A&M, 2.10. Ole Miss, 2.00. Arkansas, 1.75. Arkansas is considered by a lot of people an elite team. Um, I I think Arkansas is really good. I I think the pitching's got more holes than people realize. Missouri, 1.75. Tennessee, 1.64. That's about twice what it was a year ago. Uh, Florida, 1.58. LSU, 1.54. South Carolina, 1.53. Alabama, 1.30. I said Kentucky, 1.43 and then Vanderbilt all the way down at 1.05. Yeah. Hard to score I mean, when you can't just, get runners on. That's right, and that's what they've been doing. The the um, and, and those are just, if you really dig into the little things about baseball and, and you know, they haven't been getting past second base, and, the, and, the, and when they do, the guys have been pitching themselves out of jams and have had the, you know, they've, they've had the wherewithal to – remain calm and, and to have the defense play behind them. But yeah, you, you mentioned too, and these stats, I mean, Dukanich is not, has not been out there in weeks. And you, and you mentioned even that Patrick Riley, he got in last night in the game against Western Kentucky, but in this staff, it's just, it's an excess of riches where if, if you get left behind, you have a couple bad outings, man, it's, it's, it's hard to get back out there. The, there's only so many, and, and then you're blowing people out the opportunities we talked about that last week, the opportunities to get back out there when you're blowing people out, scoring double digit in your run category, it's hard to get chances when you're doing so well, they're just going to cruise. If you're up by six, seven, eight runs, it's not a whole lot of innings out there, especially also when you're playing once a week in the midweek. So good problems to have. Um, but man, this is, um, I tell you that when in, in Nick Maldonado, you worry a little bit about <laughs> Is, it's is not Nick giving up a run, Chip. We're yeah, ha- halfway right. through I mean, the season, their closer has not allowed a run. Yeah, and and um, and just you, we just wonder if he's getting enough work. But you know, it's coming in nice. It's a nice life coming in on Sunday of Game Three of the weekend, going for the sweep, and you get the brooms out, and he just kind of throws the last three outs and and walks off the mound. So again, all good problems to have. Uh, and the situation with Horn has he been? Uh, Notice that um, you put that in your column. I know Dukanich is through a bullpen maybe last night before the game, so that's encouraging. I think it might, his might be a hip or a, a leg injury in that area. I think area. it was a hammy 
which you don't see a lot Hamstring, with pitchers, no. although you did you, you did know. see that with Max Freed, uh, Atlanta's ace, right? Who hurt a hammy covering first in the opener, and he's on the fifteen day IL. Yeah, um, but you're seeing, um, but Horn Horn's situation. You know, he's only thrown three innings. Is what has been his issue? I'm not really sure of his injury situation. Uh, I, know you just, I, I could give you 15 guesses, and you wouldn't get them. I don't think it's it's an issue with his appendix. I can't remember if it was appendicitis oh, okay. or if he had to have it removed. I hope I'm not violating not too fun. much privacy or whatever. But yeah, I mean that's that's what it was. I'm mean, just a random thing that had nothing to do with pitching which i guess is good you'd rather it be that than an arm issue right right but i i think that um all these things are pointing to just they're they're all good things um in dominating categories it's pretty simple they don't get on base they don't score and and i just think that um you know you you put dukanich who's week to week if you put him back in, into the fold too that's that's just um I mean, you're just not using many pitchers. They used six in the past weekend. And um, as you mentioned in your column, they didn't use Schultz. Um, so they're, they're, they're building, you know, all, everybody feels better when, the, when you've won 12 game conference games, or excuse me, nine conference games in a row. And, and in the current win streak, it just makes the confidence level, and, and especially on the pitching side when, you're not going into pressure situations and it's just almost the guys coming in or, or just getting mop up work. Well, the other thing that helps is when you've got road runner running literally everything down at center field. I don't think I've ever seen a center fielder. No, uh, I, I don't think this is hyperbole. I mean, Andrew Jones would be in that conversation, but other than that, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody that gets to board balls, covers more ground. And I, I said this, I think in another podcast this week, you you get used to watching him play and you know that because of that he's able to run a lot of things down that off the bat you think he's not going to get he still gets to things that I'm like when the ball's off the bat even even building that expectation in you're just like I, you know that that ball's in for a hit and then the next thing you know he's getting it and he's not even diving and and someone pointed this, I think Luke pointed this out on my podcast Monday I I had never thought about this, or, or maybe maybe it was somebody else in a private conversation. But if you think about it this way, and I'd never had, like if you're a corner outfield guy, that narrows down what you have to pay attention to, and maybe you oh, get sure. to more balls on, on the edges in foul territory because you've got, you know, you saying Bolt in, in in center field that's going to, you know, that's basically going to get to everything between the. You know the the alley signs at three seventy five, and and then maybe some. Yeah, you can't. And when he was struggling at the beginning of the year, Chris, and and wasn't getting on base, and and had the issues where he got picked off a couple times, got his first time that he was he was caught stealing in forever. I was telling some people, yeah, well, just I mean, just watch when the draft comes along. He's going to get. He's going to be in the major leagues because of what you just mentioned of how he patrols center field and how he gets to balls that no one else gets to the te- the hitting will come, the hitting will come and it'll be in a, a learning curve anyway. And it is for anybody going into the next level, going from the college game to the pro game. And, and then of course, elevating that upper echelon of the major league level, but you can't teach that. You can't teach his speed, his glove skills, his jump, 
that he gets on the ball, that he can go to his left or right or come in or go back. All that lateral stuff is stuff you he just was born with. And that's why he's going to be he could he could have another slump and the rest of the year and get caught. That isn't going to be the reason why he's going to get drafted where he's going to get drafted because of how he plays on defense and his speed. And that's a fact. Um, the hitting he can already and he's already starting to come around as we've seen the last couple of weeks, that minor slump he started off with. He's going to be just fine when it comes to June, when the draft rolls around because people are going to bet on him to be an anchor in center field wherever he gets drafted and, and a quick climb to the big leagues once he gets used to uh, the pitching. Yeah, I feel like this is the most ridiculously optimistic podcast I've ever done, but I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm just looking at the numbers in front of me, and, and when you're winning when you're winning your average SEC game by 10 runs or whatever it is or nine runs, like what, what else are you supposed to say? And I get that. I get that it's the bottom of the league, but there's still SEC teams. Two of those teams have, have won two of the last three national titles. Um, that all those teams are still top sixty in the predictive computers. Um, it, it's you know, in the SEC, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And look again, every team that I've ever seen hits a rough patch. At some point, they're going to lose a series. That they might lose back-to-back series. You may look back at this and say, hey, these guys sounded silly. That That's going to happen. Just go ahead and build it into your expectation so when it happens, it's not this is a fluke or the world's coming to an end. But I just – everything that I look at in terms of how they're hitting, how they're fielding, and their hitting is going to take a, a, a drop because they're facing awful SEC pitching. And that is going to change at some point. That is the one thing I feel like is is certainly going to come down to earth. But – I, I just look at the numbers and the numbers behind the numbers, and it's been an amazing performance so far. Um, speaking of which, Patrick Riley got through an inning with two strikeouts, 12 pitches. I, I don't ascribe a lot of meaning to a one-inning outing midweek, but you know he's a kid that'll take him 30 pitches to get through an inning a lot of times, and it doesn't a lot of times matter who they're playing. I, I don't know how much of a step forward that means anything that was, but that's one thing from yesterday's box score that sort of stands out. Yeah. And my comment about that is, you know, it was, it was Western Kentucky. Um, He looked very good against the, against the Hilltoppers. Uh, I'm not sure how that relates to sec hitters or Omaha hitters uh, that don't swing at wild sliders like Western Kentucky batters. Um, I think that had a little bit to do with it, but I'm glad he got out there you feel for a kid like this. I mean, he, he's, he's, um, he's been around the program for several years. He's you know, some moderate success here and there, but has some innings where he's blown up and, and just hasn't been that consistent again, using that word, um, that this team has had on the pitching staff, especially this year, but it was good seeing him out there. Every little bit helps. You're going to need him perhaps down the road in a regional or, um, SEC tournament or uh, coming in in a, in a situation where a game gets away from you and you need somebody to come in and throw strikes. But, you know, his numbers are up there with his ERA. He's got a six ERA. Um, you know, he's not ag- actually lighting it up in any any category that in his 14 innings that he's thrown. But it was good to see him out there. But I, my comment, though, to not to taper it a little bit is just the fact that it was a midweek game. And I'm not sure how that would translate uh, on the weekend right now. 
What do you make of Grayson Carter? Uh, he is an odd pitcher. Uh, the, the velo was 102 early. He's down to, to mid to low 90s. Still nobody's hitting him. He's walking more guys than he is striking out, which is never a good sign. But Vanderbilt keeps rolling him out in midweeks. They keep winning. And again, nobody's getting runs off this kid. Nobody's hit a home run off him yet. His fly ball percentages are pretty low. He gives up was giving up 17% of fly balls yesterday. Let's see. I don't see ground ball and fly balls in the box score. So the numbers I've got are a little bit old. But in any case, um, yeah, what, what do you make of him? He's just a live arm, raw talent project. Um, a little different than what you've seen in the past years as far as a midweek starter that that Corbin and, and Brownie have used. And using In years past, it's been that established guy, or not necessarily established, a young kid like a uh, a Futrell who who has come into his own and has earned that spot, and they throw him out there, and he racks up you know seven, eight, nine midweek wins. Um, if you recall, there's been a few of those guys. Um, if you went down the roster in the last couple of years, who've made their made their hay on pitching that midweek slot. Um, you know he's he's got two wins under his belt, um, and he's you know started those two games. But uh, yeah, he's just a live arm. It's somebody they're going to have to work with and rein in. He's a colt. He's like a horse. He's like a young horse. He's got a lot of intangibles, a lot of raw skill. And and it when it's on, it's on and it's unhittable. But when it's not and he gets himself into trouble and pitches himself into some jams, it's not. So I, I, I like the fact they're throwing him out there. You can't teach 98, 99, or even the numbers you mentioned, the 100 earlier in the season. I'm not sure why it's dipping so much unless he's just working on some different things and not trying to overthrow. But still, 94-95 is, is pretty hot coming in there uh, to to a batter. And um, I think it's just the more times he gets out there, he's going to be a kid. The more innings he gets under his belt, I think, and the more experience in game situations, he'll be fine. But just he's pretty raw. He, he's pretty raw for comparatively – to some guys out there who've been a little more finished in that Tuesday, Wednesday role. Uh, and hopefully he'll work himself and continue to work himself into uh, developing and do a more complete pitcher. Any parting thoughts on Vandy baseball today? You know, I, I just, uh, I like the way that, where they are, Chris, I like the, the I'm, I feel like if I'm Tim Corbin, uh, I, I don't change anything. Uh, I don't, I think their approach and hitting is improved and they're, attacking continuing to attack i think the pitching approach is is as well they're not getting guys on base and you just don't change anything you you do the same thing you've been doing with the expectations that this is a long season still we're just in weekend four we're not the halfway point yet there's a lot of baseball to be played and you got to be know that there could be an injury too that could pop on it's normal in baseball and um but man it's just you're feeling good going in columbia knowing the, the spot that you're in and and um you just don't change anything. Again, that's just, I keep harping on that and that word that I began the podcast with that was continuing over and over again about the consistency. I don't think you're going to see much change in the lineup. I don't think you're going to see much change in the pitching and how they throw guys out there until it's, uh, until it's broken. You don't, you try to mess with anything. And um, I just like this team who would have thought I'm glad to be honest. I was going to say this earlier. I'm really glad we started our podcast or a little later this year for what reasons of you and I scheduling, but I'm glad we didn't do one, you know, let's say February 21st after the central Arkansas game, 
or just or, or, or after the Loyola series where it just looked like they were never going to hit. Yeah, that's true. Where it was just two to one win, two to nothing win, lose nine to six, and there's just kind of this feeling of where is this team? Where where how good is this team? Is it going to be? Are we reverting back to a lot of things? And then they go out against Belmont and they put 15 on the board at First Horizon Park. And then they haven't looked back since. And that's just crazy to think about. But things like that happen in this strange game that we love in baseball. And and um, something has happened, whether it was a <laughs> approach in a cage or a, um, a meeting in the in the locker room or we're going to do this and this is how we're going to play. And and it is just steamrolled and, and um, got to feel good about Mandy baseball right now, knowing with cautious that um, just got to – Enjoy it now and be prepared for uh, a, a bump in the road here too. It always happens. And then adjust from there and realize that these things are, it's a long season and they got some formidable opponents ahead, but they got to take care of business this weekend. It'd be nice to come back with another series win. I don't ever think sweeping is, is something you even predict or count on, but uh, winning two out of three, if they continue to do that at least and get series victories. I think uh, things are going to continue to stack up for this team. Well, and even when they weren't scoring runs, as I always point out, if I have a choice between a team that wins, you know, twelve to nine slugfests or one that wins two to one pitchers duels, I'd I'd rather take the the pitching because pitching can shut down good hitting, and, and sure. you've seen that's that's the way it's happened. I just if if I'm going to build a team, that's how I built it. That was always the way they were constructed, and and now here come the bats too. Okay, right. ship. Uh, tell folks about your real estate business. I know that it's getting almost to be that time where people are looking for homes and whatnot. So give the folks a little insight into what you do. Sure. Uh, our company, Frederick and Clark Realty, has been around since, goodness, the nineteen late 1950s, 1960s, a stalwart in this community. We've got two offices, one in Brentwood and one in Nashville, and would love to work with uh, the listeners of this podcast. If you've got some real estate needs, buying or selling a home, Make sure you get that professional advice from one of our 180 agents. We've got uh, love working with Vanderbilt fans, all the principals of this firm, including my um, my late father played basketball there, and my brother went to Vanderbilt, myself went to Vanderbilt, but we'll, we'll work with anybody with SEC ties or not. But we uh, have a lot of connections in the Vanderbilt community in the mid-state area, so I'd love to help uh, Vanderbilt fans out in their home purchase or their home selling needs. Just make sure that you understand that this market is still delicate. It is a fragile market with leaning still towards a seller's market, but with the interest rate change, that that has uh, changed the ball game, you might say, a little bit. So make sure that you lean on one of our agents. You can call me direct at 615-327-4800, and I'd love to talk to you about your needs, whether they would be on the buy or sell side and help help our listeners out. So again, Frederick and Clark Realty, you can find us on the web with a Google search at frederickandclark.com and we'd love to help you out. Thanks for the time. Hey, hey thanks a bunch, Chip. And uh, we'll catch up with you again next week, probably not just after the Missouri series. We're usually trying to do these on Wednesday. So we get one set of perspective after the weekend series and another one after the midweek game. That's how we've timed those lately. So probably uh, we'll get you on after the North Alabama midweek next week. And I look forward to it. Sounds great. Everybody have a good Easter and, and a, a nice weekend with your families. Absolutely. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.